0: Take
1: it away, bro. Well, hello. Hello, y'all. <laughs> Welcome to Oddfish.
0: <laughs> Hold on. Did you say
2: Oddfish or office? This isn't the office, Oddfish. bro. Oddfish. Oh, <laughs> that's what we're doing today. <laughs> we do say catch on the flippity
0: flip sometimes, but it <laughs> isn't is the office.
1: <laughs> and wh- whom are we speaking to here, sir? Of course, I am Andre Rezae.
0: The of course, Andre Resai. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs>
1: and Andre, uh, tell us why you're here today. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm here to talk about the 2020 election and my pretty much my general take on it. Um, it's not going to be objective. Just a, just a fair warning. Um, don't it's worry, pretty much. Just going to lean. We don't Democratic. have
2: objective guests on this podcast.
1: Bro.
2: <laughs> <laughs> After the socialism episode, you can basically say
1: whatever you want. <laughs> Oh, perfect. That sounds great to me.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Well, it's good. It's good to have you on here. I know we've been trying to get you on here for a while and this is probably the best time to get you on here. We know literally worked you, out perfect. Yeah, literally. Um, you've obviously done a lot of homework to get uh, a lot of info on this episode and a lot of uh, info on the topic in general. So
2: probably the best time to get uh the listeners in on this info absolutely and the episode will come back come out right before early voting starts Mm -hmm. so can't can't think of a better time for it so with that (laughs) being said let's get into this episode Andre, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about why you're uh, why you're interested in this topic, and uh, a little bit about what you want to talk about today. Yeah, basically height, weight, race, all that kind of stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everything that goes on a ballot, you know?
1: <laughs> well, hey guys, um, you know, I am Andre. Um, I'm also a fourth year architecture student, just like these two jokers are, um, and I'm from the lovely city of Austin. Um wow. It's it's a, it's a great place. Um, it's a very gerrymandered place. You know, you're like you talking about you're talking about Mr. Jerry and um, you know it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's mandering be, all <laughs> over Austin, bro. Oh, definitely mandering all over this place. You know, there's a there's a very there's a very important actually um, proposition on the ballot, and um, it's going to help us mander all over the place. So I want to just give a quick shout out to Prop A. Um, many people many people are not going to probably vote for this one, um, and I'm not sure if it'll pass or not um but basically what it's going to do is it's going to make a subway system um it's going to you know increase all the bus rapid transit lines give us more rail lines um in fact three rail lines instead of one now um and it's going to reduce um the traffic congestion and definitely help out um in fighting climate change um so it's a very important bill on the ballot um you know many people are um skeptics of it because they're going to say well this is going to take about like 20 years to build, to construct, to plan, you know, go through schematics and everything with it. Um, And, you know, some people that may be putting in their share in taxes may not be able to get what's back out of it. But um, if you really truly want to be selfless and care about the planet and care about our environment, um, I would say vote for Prop A, which is known as Project Connect um, in marketing terms. Hell yeah. He's Um, he's getting right into it. (laughs) It's good to to hear about it. Yeah. Uh, but I'm here today pretty much to talk about the federal races, um, coming up, um, in this election, which are for the U S house, the U S Senate, which is the Congress and the presidential race. Um, and so, um, this election, it, it means a lot to me. Um, and I feel that it is easily the most pivotal or pivotal election of our lifetimes. And, mm-hmm. you know, being an Austin native, I've seen wildfires in Bastrop. I've seen floods in Wimberley. I've seen tornadoes in my backyard. Um, just like across this decade um, alone and devastating hurricanes over in Houston. Think about Harvey. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have a president who just denies climate change and blows it off as like some sort of a hoax, a Chinese um, fabricated hoax, is, it's greed, just insulting. It's crazy. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've lost a loved one. I lost my grandfather in Peru to this pandemic and it's taken the lives of just about 220,000 Americans um, today and uh, almost 1.1 million people around the world. Um, and to have a president who just blows it off um, and, you know, just um, doesn't emphasize the importance of the simple things as wearing a mask. Um, that's insulting. Um, my parents immigrated to the U S from Peru and Iran to study and stay in the land of the free, the land of opportunity to have, and to have a president who sits here and calls Latino immigrants rapists and talks about an invasion by immigrants from all around the world. That's insulting. And so, you know, I've been interested in politics ever since the 2008 election. Um, when I made a class poll for my fourth grade class, um, my teacher never admitted if she'd vote for Obama or McCain. And to this day, I couldn't tell you who she'd vote for. Hopefully it was Obama, you know, change, change, change for America. <laughs> well, if she's listening, please let us know. <laughs> I, hope, I hope she's one of our listeners. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, certainly of all elections that i followed, um, in my short 21 years of life, and hopefully there's many more, um, this one will easily take the cake as the one that means the most to me and to many Americans.
0: Well, I, I like the fact that you said that and the way you phrased it also as as all of these things being insulting to you, because it's not only that it's an issue in, in our current climate and an issue to young people, just like you and all of us, as clowns, as you put it, or <laughs> would you say jokers? Jokers. <laughs> jokers. Um, But it's a real. Don't worry.
1: worry. I saved the word clown for one specific person. Oh, he's coming through this. It's somewhere in this talk.
0: (laughs) So excited! I wonder who. So excited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) I like the fact that you got right into it, and I like the fact that you brought in your own, um, you know, personal take on how this whole pandemic, the current presidency, all of that has affected you, and the and the decisions they've taken has affected you and your family and things like that um expand tell us more about why you think that this of all elections you know we we've we've witnessed all elections but this is probably one of the first ones people our age are maybe voting in or maybe the last one but why is this one the pivotal one why is this one the one that we see as make or break
1: sure so you know george w bush um Got us into the Iraq War, um, which, frankly, after 9/11, I personally, if I was in the United States Congress, I would have voted to go to war in Afghanistan um, to seek justice on those who, um, you know, just took a plane, took four planes, and you know, murdered 3,000 innocent civilians. Almost, Um, you know, that that means a lot. But to go to war in Iraq when it was a stable government, that there's no proof that there was any weapons of mass destruction, and Many troops, you know, we lost many troops and several um, troops got injured um, along, you know, these uh, along the battle lines, you know, that that hurt. George W. Bush that, you know, he flew in a helicopter um, over the city of New Orleans really didn't get down there, down and dirty. Um, You know, that really hurt. Um, But even George W. Bush compared to this president, um, I would take George W. Bush in a heartbeat because George W. Bush truly embodied what it is to be a commander in chief. Um and we really haven't had as much of a clown. There I go. I said it. I said it <laughs> for the first time. He's just a total clown. Um we haven't had this much of a clown of a president ever in America's history. Agreed. Um, and you know, that's that's just that's just in short, um, in sum to answer your question.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh absolutely, absolutely. And um also agree with what you're saying. Um, Earlier about your parents immigrating to this country, you know, like both both Rich and I come from Im- immigrant parents as well, and I be I be talking to my parents about this frequently, bro, about how like uh, they came to the country to like create a better life, but turns out America ain't all it was cracked up to be twenty years ago. But this um <laughs> this election could be one of the like pivotal things that starts to like turn it around, and it's 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 up to us, right? It's up to us to put our uh, voices in there and advocate for the people who are going to create the, uh, the policies and changes that we want to see, you know what I mean? So that being said, I think it's, we should, uh, we should get into kind of the meat of this episode, um, talking about some of the representatives from the districts that you're going to be um, endorsing and, uh, and maybe what they stand for just a little bit.
1: Yeah. So um, as for the congressionals in terms of who I'm endorsing before I get into the overviews and sort of like my brief predictions, um, you know, who I'm endorsing pretty much all Democrats running for every congressional district down the ballot, except for two. Don. Um, and those two, um, one of them is running in a battleground district, which is in the Round Rock Cedar Park, um, over to the Killeen Temple area. If you drive up and down between Austin and Dallas, you know exactly where I'm talking about, or if you're from Austin, um, you know, I don't endorse Donna and mom because she frequently blocks her potential constituents that didn't go for her in the primary election. And she fundamentally misunderstands Medicare for all, frankly. Got you. Um, so if she doesn't have a command on the issues and she does not embody the root word of representative, which is represent that's someone who I just can't support. And in fact, the Austin American uh, statesman, Austin's newspaper refused to endorse her or the Republican today um, uh, or yesterday, actually, as a matter of fact. Um, so, you know no endorsement for her there's another democrat <laughs> running in a safe democratic seat that he's going to win by like 90 percent of the vote and that's henry cuellar um you know he votes with trump a majority of the time and he's trump's favorite democrat and um you know he just doesn't embody um you know what is the democratic platform which is definitely not make america great again um, sure. so i can not endorse those two but as for the other democrats running across the state each one of them has my support if i could vote in their districts i definitely would in a heartbeat
2: that's good to hear. That's good to hear. So um, do you want to get into the overviews just a little bit? Talk about who these representatives are and maybe what they stand for. And I know you say you got some fun facts, bro. So we are, we're expecting some fun in this segment, bro.
1: Yeah, definitely got some cool stuff about these people. You know, they're not just your typical politicians that they'll, they'll just get on the train, go to work, and they'll just go home. You know, they've got some cool stuff behind them. They've got mm-hmm. some cool backstories, um, some inspiring backstories. Um, Some historical backstories, and so you'll definitely hear about that one. Um, and so just a quick overview you know, all these candidates, um, in these battleground districts, which, if I can remember the numbers, I'm going to say them off the top of my head two, <laughs> three, six, seven, ten, seventeen, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five, thirty-one, 10, 17, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 31, and 32. I think just I got fact
2: checked, and you got them oh, all. Goodness, <laughs> sweet, okay, incredible. So,
1: so all these candidates, for the most part, um, they align with the platforms of the Democratic Party. Um, some tend to be more moderate than others, like Rick Kennedy running in Texas 17, um, who I'm actually volunteering for um, this election, and Stephen Daniel in Texas 6, um, sure. up in the uh, Arlington area, um, down to just a little bit south of Dallas. Um, and some tend to be very progressive, uh, such as Julie Oliver in Texas 25, who some people at UT may get the chance to vote for, and Mike Siegel in Texas 10, um, maybe very few of you at UT may have the chance to vote for. Um, some candidates could be identified as progressive light like Wendy Davis running in Texas 21, Candice Valenzuela running in Texas 24, and Seema Lajevardian running in Texas 2. With that being said, that was just a little um, brief overview, and uh, let me get into the districts um, really quickly one by one. So we'll start with Texas 2. It's a Houston area district, and it goes from just about where Rice University is, just a little bit east of West U, and it swings around Houston in a clockwise fashion Um, Going through Klein, Spring, and it goes over to Humble and Kingwood. Um, There's a silent H in Humble. You cannot say Humble. (laughs) Classic Texas, dude. (laughs) It's classic Texas. You're going to hear so many of these pronunciations. Just wait (laughs) wait till you get to Texas 17. You'll hear a town that you'll just be like, whoa. All right. Um, So this district in 2016 voted for Donald Trump by a margin of 52 to 43. And in 2018, voted for Ted Cruz 50 to 49.
2: So Oof. that was a
1: nine-point deficit yeah, close to crazy, just nearly crazy one difference. Point. Crazy, difference. Um, crazy. So the Democrat is Sima Lajavardian, like I said. Um, she and her parents immigrated to the U.S. Um, when she was a little kid from Iran due to the Iranian Revolution, um, which is an inspiring story. It means a lot to me. Um, so she went to actually UC Hastings Law School, um, and she graduated with Kamala Harris, our potentially future vice president. Uh-huh. Um, they graduated in the same class in law school, which is pretty Dang. cool. <laughs> gang um, and if she wins she'll be the first Iranian American ever elected to the United States House of Representatives
0: and why does that why does that mean a little more to you
1: well I mean because my dad is from Iran you know that's, that's <laughs> inspiring you know to me you know and someday you know I, after I you know have a career in architecture or maybe urban design um, you know by me potentially potentially seek you know some sort of a congressional run or maybe work yes for, sir department yes of- sir <laughs> you heard it here maybe first. maybe just maybe hey,
0: if, if any of um, us, if any one of us are having a career in architecture
2: or outside of architecture it's you bro bro young man <laughs> announcing his campaign right <laughs> here bro this is so exciting okay can going, i can going. i be campaign manager <laughs>
1: Uh yeah, I'll consider it, man. I'll run against Kanye. I'll run against Kanye. I'll go where Kanye is and I'll run against Kanye. And you got me. See, okay, not, I'll, I'll be I'll be on Kanye's side, yeah. bro. <laughs> Sorry. Oh no. Sorry. You can't no, no, no. It's team. okay, Andrew. You You're got me. You got, me. you got
0: me. You got me, okay. bro. They got the best <laughs> Indians in the business.
1: All right, Rish. All right, Rish. I'll hold you too. What a face okay. off.
0: So let's let's move on to the next one. Who who's up next?
1: Yeah, so it's Texas third um Mm -hmm. and uh one of you two jokers is gonna Uh um you know it's gonna mean a lot to you Uh um so um this district is up in the dallas fort worth area it's up uh, north of dallas and it's um pretty much almost all of collin county um it includes plano allen mckinney um there's a rapidly growing town of prosper north of um this place i'm about to mention here and it starts with an f and uh (laughs) you want to go for it it's frisco (laughs) That's your home place. <laughs> oh my god,
2: yes. Always always happy to rep the scope. Always uh I don't want to necessarily say proud of this go, but that's where we're from and that's where we're always going to be
1: from. <laughs> um so in 2016, um this district voted for Trump um 54 5440, excuse me. And then in 2018 voted for Ted Cruz 5148. So closed a 14 Once point again, gap to just crazy, three crazy points. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff. Pranav, you know, if you want to chime in a little bit on that, you're from there, you know, what's your sort of take and and what's your take on Lulu, you know? Oh, for
2: sure. For sure. Yeah. So I can, so I'll, um I'll talk about the, uh, the closing in the gap that you were talking about earlier. Um Definitely. I can see that point of view um kind of changing, like even, even between like 2016 and now, I can see, you know, some of the people that I grew up with that I know from uh, Frisco that may have been more moderate, may have been more on the fence candidates that are leading blue more now than they were. Um, I don't want to say the Republicans that I knew in Frisco have been quiet since the results of the 2016 election, but I ain't heard from them as much, bro. That's just <laughs> something to think about.
1: But that's that just is something to think about. That's it's just notable.
2: Just what I have to say, um, like from a, from a personal experience level. But as far as uh, my opinion on Lulu, I would, say, I would say she fits more in that like, light progressive category that you were talking about. She uh, supports uh, healthcare, is pro-choice, um, and is promoting uh, universal prenatal care and family planning services. So health, healthcare-wise is something that uh, just stuff that I think is uh, important uh she's like on record saying climate change is our greatest threat which uh i don't know if y'all listened to our last episode but turns (laughs) out that's something we care about um but i think the most important thing that i think lulu's been talking about is closing the achievement gap if you look at uh the district texas 03 um is like for the most part a very high achieving and educated district um and although it looks really good on paper that's not necessarily how it is in practice there's um there's such a significant education gap based on income based on location based on other demographics like that all around um all around collin county really and you can even look at the basic case study of plano west versus plano east if you look at uh the kind of the education levels, the like, the quality of the students that come out of Plano West academically versus Plano East. And that's, and that's really just a result of income levels, you know what I mean? And it's, it's such a stagnant difference that it's hard to, it's hard to believe that these two schools are part of the same district. So that achievement inequality is such a big issue in my county. And so, uh, and voting for a candidate that's trying to like, equalize it and trying to like, uh, fix that, that issue is is really important. And also, it should be noted that Texas 03, since before we were born, has always historically voted red. And this is uh this is the first period, like you were saying, when the Democrats are polling as even as they are. So pretty exciting stuff, bro. Pretty, pretty exciting time to be from the skull.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, a recent poll from Texas Third, Texas o3 as you were saying. Um, has Trump up or, or sorry, Biden up, excuse me, by three points and down crazy? one point. It's crazy stuff. It really is crazy stuff because it's one of the top 100 most conservative districts in the whole United States. But really? you know what? But you know what may make this district really flip? And I think it's going to flip and it's going to be a very close margin. But you know why? I think it's going to flip. Blue. Agreed. Let's hear it. So. Texas is flipping blue and, you know, it's a slow process, but definitely Trump has accelerated the process. Um, and so, you know, demographics were eventually going to shift this state blue, you know, maybe in 10, 15 years or so, hopefully sooner. Um, and we may see, you know, in 2022, a kind of red wave reemerge in Texas. Um, that's, that's certainly a possibility down the road. But right. why Texas third may go blue now is because of two reasons. So it's two demographic reasons. One is that there's a high ethnic minority and immigrant population in Collin County. Rumble lots of Latinos represent. and lots of and lots of Indians. Lots of <laughs> Indians. <laughs> and number two, um, you know, Texas third is actually out of all 435 congressional districts, the most educated district in America. Yeah, the highest. Twelve the high district... <laughs> <laughs> Beyond beyond the high schools, man. Beyond the <laughs> high schools. Highest per, uh, proportion of people with a four-year college degree wow. live in Collin County um, in Texas 3rd District. So um, this yeah, one is insane. definitely one to watch for. Um, for so sure. fun facts about Lulu real quick. So she did. she's a Dallas native, and she went down to Houston for law school. Um, and the thing about her is that she would be the first Lebanese-American elected to Congress from Texas if she wins. Um, so wow, that'd be really insane. cool, too. Wow. All right. So we got to get moving here, you know. Texas third is a fun place. We got to get. We can't spend forever. You're leading the show, bro. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> um, so next we go to Texas six. Um, that's you know just about Arlington down to Mansfield and over to uh, you know Waxahachie. It's another one of those places that's kind of weird to pronounce. So down to Waxahachie <laughs> and down to Corsicana, um, and so you know in 2016 this district went for Trump 54 42. So that's a 12-point margin. And in 2018, went for Ted Cruz by only three points, 51 man, who 48 the fuck is this Insane. Ted Cruz guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep hearing all about him. Um... That's, the zo- that's the Zodiac. I was about right. to say. Oh, my God, it's that guy? That guy's all over Netflix, man. You can't get over that guy. Oh, um, man.
0: Okay, and, so, who, and who do we have next? Or do you want to go on on Texas? So, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. The Democrat in there, real quick, um, it's Stephen Daniel. Actually, mm-hmm. this is the race I've been paying probably the least attention to or at least these 13. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Democrat there is Stephen Daniel. Some cool stuff about him. He's actually the first in his family to graduate college. And when he was younger, um, he helped his dad out working at the local landfill um, in the, uh, the, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So That's pretty cool wow. stuff about okay. him. Um, he is now one we'll of the more
2: moderate-leaning uh, Democratic candidates, right, with uh, things like proposing loans for uh, small businesses and stuff like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, when you run in a district like that, that includes like a good amount of rural counties, you also got a little be a little more favorable in terms of gun rights. And you know, he, he does mention, you know, he's an adamant Second Amendment supporter on his website. Um, That being said,
2: I think he is promoting universal background checks, though.
1: Oh, for sure. It's common sense stuff. It's just like Rick Kennedy, you know, Rick, you have a D from the NRA as opposed to the F that, you know, lots of Democrats um, tend to hold high, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of like common sense stuff still, you know, it's very aligned with the democratic party for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so we'll go on to Texas seven, mm-hmm. um, in the Houston area. Um, it's from, uh, Bel Air and West U. um, you go West on high on, uh, I 10, um, over to, uh, through the villages over to Cinco ranch and up to Cyprus. So a lot of, uh, central West and Northwest Houston in that district. Um, in 2016, this district actually went for Hillary Clinton, 48, 47, and in wow. 2018, it went for Beto 53-46. So it's plus seven points for Beto. So, you know, this district is one that has historically been, um, it's, it's a very educated district and a very wealthy district. And um, it's historically been one that's gone for Republicans. Um, you definitely, especially in the, um, the Mitt Romney um, election 2012. But, you know, these people just, they, 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 they're not going to be conned by the dawn. You know, um, <laughs> there's so the episode these, title "Broke yeah, by it. the <laughs> <laughs> These people, these people are smart. These people are not. You know, they're 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 not going to fall for this guy's tricks. Um, so the Democrat there is Lizzie Fletcher. Um, she's a graduate of William and Mary Law School. Um, she was in Phi Beta Phi Beta Kappa. Um, she was an undergrad, very smart girl. Um, in 2015, she was the first woman partner um, in her law firm, AZA. So she was the first woman ever to Crazy. join that law firm. Wow. Um, crazy stuff she's very uh she's very talented she's very talented over there um now we go to Texas ten. Oh, um, uh, one thing a-
2: I do want to say about Texas 7 is that I was reading really? that uh Fletcher actually co-sponsored the George, George Floyd Justice and Policing Act of 2020 um and I don't know if it's passed or not but I I know that it is attempting to hold cops more accountable with things like uh mandated body cams and other ways to just like essentially hold police officers more accountable to their
1: actions, which I
2: think is, uh, is really great from an incumbent candidate. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's something that's definitely needed. And, you know, 2020 has really highlighted the, um, the, um, you know, racial disparities, racial inequalities, and that's really what it comes down to and and really holding law enforcement accountable. Um, they're really supposed to be law enforcement and not, you know, taking the law into their own hands. And, you know, too many times, um, law enforcement officers, they, they sort of do that. And, um, it's, uh, it's something that's definitely, you know, there's gotta be more accountability in law enforcement, Absolutely. um, in, in law, within law enforcement officers. Um, so, um, good point you brought up, let's go to Texas 10. Um, so this is an Austin to Houston district. Um, it's stupidly gerrymandered, um, like many of the Austin <laughs> area districts are, um, you know, Mr. Mander back at it again. Oh, wait, um, bro. Um, so, Texas 10, it's, uh, you know, from Northwest Austin. My roommate's actually going to vote in Texas 10. Um, Mm -hmm. Texas 10 is actually um, really close to where my high school was, which my high school is actually barely in 31. Again, all the gerrymandering. Um, Classic. And so, you know, it's from Northwest Austin up in the Anderson Mill area, and it goes through, like, Westlake, and goes through North Central Austin. So, like, UT students, if you live in, like, the really far North Hyde Park area, like up at 51st Street, you know, the Triangle, that's your district. And it goes over to Northwest Houston. Um, like, you know, parts of Cyprus, Katy, Tomball, up in west and northwest Houston. And then some towns in the middle are like Brenham, you know, Bluebell Ice Cream, um, LaGrange, Giddings, you know, those are your towns in the middle of it. So this district actually, in 2016, voted for Trump, 52-43, but in 2018, voted for Beto, 49 49.6 to 49.4. Hmm. Wow. That's point two percent Wow, okay. Two-tenths of a percent. <laughs> so yeah, Beto.
2: really, really, really a swing
1: really swing. Yeah. And then, you know, so the Democrat here is Mike Siegel um, who was endorsed by Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren um, just got endorsed, uh, you know, pretty recently. And also Senator Ed Markey from Massachusetts. His race was a big thing. Um, Right. So Mike Siegel is a former third grade teacher and he taught through the Teach for America program. And he's also a civil rights lawyer who represents women suffering discrimination in the workplace. And he also defends whistleblowers from retaliation, um, you know, whether it be from their employer or whatnot. Um, for sure. Great There's, guy. Great guy. Uh,
2: something interesting about Mike Siegel that I was actually going to ask you about. I read that his campaign is actually rejecting corporate PAC money because it wants to be a campaign for the people. And I only found that with uh, one or two other candidates. So I was going to ask you if that's like, if, do you know if that's like a popular thing? Do you know people
1: do that often or is this a rare case? You know, I feel as if the majority of Democrats running in these seats across Texas actually um, tend to be more for individual contributions and not for gotcha. PAC money. But do they, um, you is know, is it so, like
2: common to like just flat out like reject any PAC contributions?
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty common. You know, uh, Bernie, Bernie's, Bernie's 2016 campaign made that oh, a course. big thing. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, and then everyone kind of caught on. It's a great idea, I think. You know, it really represents getting down to the nitty gritty, the individual, like empowering the individual and not those with money, the special interests, you know, that really don't represent you or me um, you know, as, as common people.
2: I agree. Great statement. And it sets a great precedent. So, uh, do you want to, do you want to move on to 17? I want to, yes. I want to ask
0: you a question, Andre, before you go on to the next, uh, the next district. And I know that's an important one for you, but <clears throat> I want to ask you about two things that you've sort of covered in the past couple districts. And one of them being something we talked about with Joe in the last episode and a phrase we kept saying, which is like, oh, this state is educated or this, these kinds of people are educated at this country's educated or this third world country is not educated. And I think that concept of education, how that plays into politics is a really interesting trend, or at least like a, a relation factor. Um, and I know you mentioned that also in one of the previous districts we talked about in, I think Houston or something where you said, Oh, this, this district, or it might've been uh, the SCO where <laughs> you said, this is a very educated district. What kind of impact does that statement have on the political impacts and have on, you know, the way that these districts swing?
1: Yeah, you know, that's a very hard question to answer, Um, you know, because I I, want to try to stay, you know, on the side of um, what what I can confirm as a sort of answer. But what we do notice around the country is that um, those who tend to have higher levels of levels of education, um, particularly, you know, they'll generally vote for Republicans, um, generally because they favor tax cuts and and whatnot. You know, wealthy people tend to be in the highest brackets of income in in our country. But, you know. Um, my roommate, I can take my roommate as a matter of fact, Texas 10 is also another um, highly educated district because it goes into a lot of, um, you know, North Austin and Northwest Houston, um, kind of like wealthier areas. Um, my roommate's father actually is a um, uh, associate dean of McCombs. And I think I can also say because he recently, um, um, my roommate Shreya said that I can um, basically say this now, he's going to be the next dean of uh, the University of Maryland's business school. Oh, he's a very crazy. educated guy. And, you know, he's wrote a lot of things about like how we should not rely on China and taking a lot of conservative fiscal um, stances, but he just cannot get behind Trump and he's like really going to support Biden um, just because of the rhetoric. The rhetoric Mm -hmm. is just it's it's very low. um, It's very low thought behind it. It's just very knee jerk. It's um, it's it's, quite frankly, it's inappropriate. It's insulting, like I said earlier. Um, And so those. Um, who kind of can think, I guess, more objectively, um, are going to lean towards um, skepticism um, for Trump. And um, the Republicans, keep in mind, the Republicans now, the GOP at their convention, they decided to forego a whole party platform and just went with the statement, make America great again. This is facts. And so, you know, if you're going to go ahead and, you know, just say that your whole party's platform is make America great again, then you know what's the point of, of supporting someone who's not going to make um their own clear policies. Yeah, and, you don't know what you're voting for. Um, up for, for the yep. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. You're just voting for another. You're voting for a mini Trump, a mini clown, um, <laughs> mini <laughs> mini mini Don the Con. You know so, exactly. Um,
0: well, that's well said. I'm pretty much I'm, to
1: answer your question.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know that's a, that's a tough question. Well, we talked about it with Joe in terms of how do we answer that without without being super subjective or like leaning one way, but. Obviously, with the uh, the clownery, the foolery, the tomfoolery coming out <laughs> of the Don, uh, we can definitely see that it's fooling some people. My other question before we get into the next district is, I know we've obviously gotten into this stuff and dove uh, real quick into the districts and the policies and the people who you endorse and people who you think are the best. Um, tell our listeners, our four fish, why <laughs> why it's important to trickle these decisions down just from um you know i I had a friend who's just voting the other day and i don't know if it was legal or not but he was on facetime with me (laughs) um he obviously wanted he knew he he was going to vote for the presidential candidate um that he wanted to vote for but why is it important for us to trickle these decisions down to each district and make sure that we know exactly what we're getting into and why we're voting for the people you um you know you're definitely endorsing or at least recommending in this case
1: Yeah, I mean, so things like climate change, things like um, dealing with the pandemic, um, even, you know, Congress has the authority to go to war. You know, the president does not. The president can only order a military strike and the president can only um, sign executive orders, but they can't sign laws. They can't formally declare war. Um, So electing good U.S. House members who don't have knee-jerk reactions to things and can think through things clearly and can articulate the issues um, very clearly Those people, getting those people elected is very important. As for the Senate, they're the ones that get to confirm Supreme Court justices. They're the ones that get to determine, you know, a lifetime of a decision about abortion. You know, uh, um, bringing Amy Coney Barrett, Trump's nominee to the Supreme Court, um, that's going to kill, you know, Roe v. Wade. It's going to kill, you know, a, a woman's right to choose, a woman's right to basically control her own body, to do whatever the hell she wants to do with her own body. Um, sure, so you sure. know, electing the Senate and electing House members, and even down the ballot, like down the Prop A, like even local races and local propositions, these have the biggest effect on your life more so than you know. Just if the reality TV star wants to go, um, you <laughs> know, and and cl- clown around, you know, in front of the whole world and <laughs> basically make himself look like the dictator in the Philippines.
0: Well said, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think people have to realize a lot of these policies and reforms. Uh, cannot be made by the president. And if you took government at any level in college and paid attention, unlike myself, <laughs> you would understand from Andre that a lot of the decisions are made at the Congress level, at the Senate level, and those trickle down to these districts. So with that being said, go on to the next district, Andre. Let's, let's hear it. <laughs>
1: All right, so this is my district. You know, I grew up here, but I always didn't because, you know, I was always mandered into it. Um, you know, <laughs> I, started, I started in Texas's uh, 10, which uh, that's, my, that's uh, Michael McCall's district currently that Mike Siegel's running for as a Democrat. Um, but now I'm in Texas 17. So I'm over with the Aggies and the Baylor Bears. I'm with Waco and College Station, you know, even though I'm from far North Austin. Um, so like I said, far North Austin, um, the Wells Branch where I'm from in Pflugerville areas out east of Bryan College Station. And it goes up north to Waco, and there's towns in between, um, like Hern, but there's an e at the end, but you don't pronounce the e, so it's just Hern. And, <laughs> and then a town, and then a town called Mejia, which you know it doesn't it doesn't sound exactly like how it's written at all. You know, yeah, it's, I can it's, imagine it's, it's, it's spelled M E X I A, which you would say it's like Mexia, but it's actually Mejia. It's interesting. Um, I'll take you your word district, for it. <laughs> <laughs> so this district actually is not rated by many people actually is one that can flip, but I want to contend that it is one that can flip and Politico also does the same. And so does inside elections. Um, and a recent poll actually has Rick Kennedy, my neighbor, the Democrat, um, down three points. It's my neighbor. It's my neighbor, four houses down the block. (laughs) Um, and you know, in 2016, this district voted for Trump 56, 38. So that's an 18 point difference. That's pretty significant. And it's, and it's pretty rural conservative areas for the most part. But in 2018, voted for Ted Cruz 54-45. And among Texas A&M student population, the student population at Texas A&M, Beto actually led the vote over there. Hmm, and that's, that's, why, insane. that's why the Texas House District for the State House um, is, is, is one for contention this year that the Democrats can grab. They were under 2% from winning that district um, back in the last election. So it's critical, um, I think, to pick up this district, too. Um, and I also know we can pick up.
2: I know you were talking about uh students from college station trending blue and that having a big uh big impact on the polls and the turnout that way. So um to any to any college station homies that might be listening, your vote matters. Don't forget.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, your vote matters. Um Brazos County is one of the fastest t- trending blue counties in America, along with like Collin and several other counties um noasis county is another one that's you know slowly gonna maybe shift blue a little bit down in corpus christi um but that's not really a talking point today anyway i'll get back to 17 i'm kind of mandering along <laughs> um, um so democrat here's rick kennedy who is my neighbor and he actually was a collegiate athlete um, back in the day he was a swimmer at penn state um and right now he works in software engineering so he's he's a big comps guy, um and he's a project manager he actually works for a company in Vancouver, and he just works like remotely. It's really cool stuff. Hmm. Um, so, you know, real quick, the Republican here. Um, like I said about Donna Imam and why I don't endorse her is because the root word of representative is represent. And so Pete Sessions, who's the Republican running in this district, just got fired by voters up in Dallas. They elected Colin Allred, who I'll get to. He's in Texas 32. I'll yeah. get down to him later. So, They fired him. He lost and he moved down to Waco, but he didn't buy a house in Waco. He just bought like a suite address from a from a shopping mall, from a um, one of those uh, strip malls. And he lives actually in Florida. He just lives comfortably in Florida right now. And he's just trying to get back into Washington, D.C. after serving for 22 years. Um, So it's not really cool stuff. It's not really being representative of the people that you really live with, that you've lived with for so long. He's mm-hmm. just, he's just trying to get back into public service just to have, just, just to do it. And for you sure. really got to represent your people. Um, so, you know, that's 17. That means a lot to me. And now we'll get one, now we'll get to one that means a lot for UT viewers too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. UT listeners rather, excuse me, um, which is Texas 21. And Texas 21 goes actually from West campus through downtown and South central Austin, down to 30, down 35 to the North part of San Antonio, like around Alamo Heights Um, Think about, like, the Pearl Brewery, pretty close to there. Um, And back over to the Hill Country, a lot of these wineries and, you know, beautiful hills, um, like uh, Blanco, Fredericksburg, Kerrville. um, And this is definitely
2: one of those districts that Jerry has been mandering with in order to suppress the progressive college vote. So if you are considering voting in West Campus, highly, highly recommended.
1: Yes, pretty much. I mean, if you live, like, south of 29th, you know, west of Guadalajara, if you live in West Campus... This is your candidate, Wendy Davis. She's a Democrat. And some stuff about Wendy Davis, you know, a rundown. Wendy Davis is one of the more popular Democrats running um, this time. You know, many viewers may already or many listeners may already know about Wendy Davis. Um, You know, but some backstory in her life. You know, she was a teenage mother. And at one point in her life, she did live in a mobile home. But she got her life together, you know, and she went to Tarrant Community College. Um, She went to TCU. And then she went to Harvard Law. That is crazy stuff. That is Um, really crazy. Huge, huge respect. She's very accomplished. Um, And she served in the Texas state Senate, um, you know, back in the, uh, in the 2010s decade, Um, she's known for a 2013 filibuster. Um, This is her significant moment. She stood on the floor of the Texas state Capitol for 11 hours in a pair of pink sneakers. And she attempted to hold off a vote on a bill, which would have banned abortions after the 20th week of pregnancy. She stood there for 11 hours, just nonstop, just filibustering, you know, fighting against that bill um, for a woman's right to choose. Um, so, you know, it's, it's huge respect for her. Imagine um, doing this run...
2: podcast for 11 hours, bro. <laughs> oh,
1: I mean, at this rate, I could go on for 11 hours. You're right. You're we right. Gotta, you're right. That's my bad. We got to We got to speed. We got to speed Mander through this. Um, <laughs> so, you know, she did run for governor against Abbott, our governor, um, in 2014. And, um, you know, if you're at West campus, um, definitely give Wendy Davis a look, um, against the coronavirus denier, Chip Roy. Um, it's Ooh. really, it's really important. Um, so now we go to Texas 22. Um, this is a Houston area district. Um, if you're like from the Southwest of Houston, kind of like Sugarland, uh, Pearland, uh, Richmond, Rosenberg, um, this is your district. It's mostly Fort Bend County. Um, and you know, in 2016, this district went 52 44 for Trump and in 2018 went for Ted Cruz, 49.9 to 49.3. Mm. So a very close district, um, in two years ago. And this time I think it's really going to flip blue. Um, and so, The Democrat here actually is Indian. He's uh, uh, his name
2: is
1: (laughs) his name is Sri Preston Kulkarni. I hope I said that correctly. Um, That was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) So he's a UT and Harvard grad, actually. And he um, he served as a diplomat um, for the United States for 14 years. And he served in in Iraq, Taiwan, Israel and uh, in Jamaica. So um, he's very Um, well traveled um, and he served this country. Um, and so some fun facts about him, actually. This guy's a guy we can get into some, some, some fun facts with. Um, he speaks <laughs> six languages. He speaks English, Spanish, Hindi, Mandarin, Russian, and Hebrew.
2: It's crazy oh, wow. stuff. Wow, I was
1: expecting him um, to be six Indian languages, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's important because in Fort Bend County, it's much like Collin County, um, very high um, ethnic minority population. Mm. And so to communicate, um, especially in languages like, in, like Hindi, and uh, mandarin chinese it's it's very important um for some of these voters and Chinese and uh, spanish as well excuse
0: me yeah for sure
1: um and uh actually another fun fact about him through his mother he's a descendant of texas founding father the first president of the republic of texas sam houston
0: no way
1: no way (laughs) he actually is a descendant of sam houston some crazy trivia there oh my god Um, so now real quick we go down to san antonio texas 23rd um, you know, this is, this is the perennial swing district. This is actually what right. I could call a swing. It's not a battleground, you know, every presidential election, it's been decided by one to two points. Um, you know, but this is like Western and Southern parts of San Antonio, like Helotes and the dominion way out West to like the East side of El Paso. It's probably one of the biggest congressional districts in the whole United States. Um, and you know, it's probably one of the most beautiful ones. Cause it includes like Marfa, big Bend, um, a lot of the hill country, you know, it's a really cool <laughs> place. Um, and in 20, just to get an idea of how much of a swing district this is, um, in 2016, um, the district went for Clinton about 48-46, and for Beto um, in 2018, 52-47. Um, it's always very close, um, and it probably is going to go for the Democrats this time around. So the Democrat here is Gina Ortiz-Jones. She's a Boston College grad. She served in the Air Force um, as an intelligence officer. And she came out as lesbian at 15 years old. And that's how she served in the military, through the don't ask, don't tell policy.
0: Wow. That's um, and her,
1: opponent, her opponent is actually also a veteran, Tony Gonzalez. Um, that's another interesting fact. Mm-hmm. So 24, um, Texas 24. This is a very important district um, to a lot of the people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, it's one of the ones that I believe will absolutely, there's no chance it won't, it will flip. Um, blue that's good and it goes from the uh heb cities in dallas fort worth um not the store the city so uh hearst, hearst <laughs> we don't have the store food. in dallas but fort you know worth. you don't but you know you don't have heb up in the dallas- yeah. <laughs> <Boulder>. you're right
0: <laughs> it could only um, mean
1: one thing <laughs> and uh it goes through grapevine and capel over to um carrollton farmers ranch in addison um so that gives you an idea of where this district is Um, In 2016, it voted for Trump 51-43 and for Beto in 2018, 51-48. So it already swung three points for the Democrats. And um, that's why I believe confidently that this district will go for the Democrats this coming election. So the Democrat here is Candace Valenzuela. Um, She was born into a family of Army veterans, including her parents. Um, Her great-grandfather served in World War I and her grandfather served in World War II. Um, She became her high school's first distinguished graduate and became the first in her family to graduate from college. Um, so props to her. I'm really proud of her. Um, sure. Later in life, she became the first Latina and African-American elected to the Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD board. Um, and she would be the first Aflo- Afro-Latina um, elected to Congress um, in anywhere in the country um, if she were elected. So um, big stuff coming up for her, hopefully. Knock on, sure. on wood for that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so but real quick about her opponent. And just to rant a little bit. So the Dallas Morning (laughs) News actually endorsed her opponent, Beth Van Dyne, who was the mayor of Irving, Texas, um, Mm -hmm. which you may remember, there was the um, the um, clock incident where, um, you know, a Muslim student brought a clock to class. um, Oh, my gosh, the the classic, bro. And, um, you know, you know, people thought it was a bomb and whatnot. And she made a lot of Islamophobic statements about that and other things. um, And she's made very, very controversial statements. Very, um, I would say she's Trump, mini Trump. And the Dallas hmm. Morning News um, cautiously endorsed her, which I feel like was an awful take. And I want to, you know, shoot, you know, the fire shots at the Dallas Morning News for that one. Um, Absolutely. That was no. Well,
2: we've if got, they're listening. Yeah, for sure. Um, we've got very close uh, Muslim family friends from Irving. And I I remember it was such a crazy time in all of our lives when that thing happened. So, yeah. Um, right. Talk Dallas so now, Morning News for endorsing her. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> yeah. So now another important district, we've got to speak through this, but another important district is Texas 25 for all you UT people. Um, If you live in the North Campus and Hyde Park areas, this is your district. And it also goes through the Hill Country like Dripping Springs and Wimberley and all all the way up to um, just about Fort Worth um, up in the Burleson area. Um, So this is a very long district. It kind of follows 35, maybe goes just a little bit to the west of 35. Um, In 2016, this district went for Trump 55-40. So this is a very, this district has a very similar profile to Texas 17. It went for Trump 55-40, but in 2018, it went for Ted Cruz 52-47. So like Texas 17, it narrowed the gap some with Ted Cruz. And so just like Texas 17, I'm hoping 25 can even push the gap even further and, you know, propel, just like propel Rick Kennedy, propel Julie Oliver to Congress. And so some stuff about Julie Oliver, um, very inspirational stuff. She grew up in uh, Oak Cliff, which is kind of um, if, you know, those who know, it's kind of rough area of Dallas. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she grew up, you know, south of Dallas in a town called Ovila or Ovia. I don't know how to pronounce it, but that one I do not know how to pronounce. Um, I will concede that one. Um, and at time she was homeless and she lived in abandoned buildings and she dropped out of school. And like Wendy Davis, she became a teenage mom at 17 years old. Hmm. Um, and she actually worked hard and she became a UT grad and she went through law school. Um, while raising her kids. Um, And she's a huge proponent of Medicare for all and her specialty is in healthcare finance. She's noted for just grabbing the whiteboard and drawing out the math. It's crazy stuff. You got to check it out on Twitter, (laughs) you know, at Julie Oliver TX, I believe is her, um, her tag. Um, And or you can just search up Julie Oliver, it'll come up. And you know, she's she really gets down to the nitty gritty and she roasts the hell out of the republican that she's facing against roger williams and he's notorious for not even living in this congressional district he lives closer to fort worth like in like outside of fort worth in a town called weatherford and how is do people to do that? <laughs> like in, in like in texas the rule is that you just have to be a texas resident you don't even have to live in your district which is a dumb rule i think oh you should have god. to live in your district oh my and god. you know it's just it's crazy stuff so some representative he is you know vote for julia god really Um, now we'll go to Texas 31 where like the Austin American statesman, you know, I cannot endorse the Democrat here, but it is like Williamson County and bell County, like Brown Rock and Cedar park all the way up 35, um, up to the Killeen temple Belton area. Um, if you drive up to Dallas, you know, this area very well, um, 2016, this district voted for Trump 53 40 and in 2018 for Ted Cruz 50 to 48. Um, so narrowing the gap again. And Donna Imam, just who she is, she's also like Rick Kennedy, a computer engineer, but she's also a tech entrepreneur, and she's from Indiana. Um, But like I said, she's a controversial figure because she blocks people on social media um, that question her or voted or admitted – they admit that they don't like her policies or they voted for somebody else in the Democratic Mm -hmm. primary, just, uh, uh, you know, et cetera, these kinds of reasons. And so, you know, she isn't popular with um, local Democrats um, because of this. And um, now we'll move on to Texas 32. Um, this one was a district that Democrats got to flip just like Texas seven in 2018. And it goes from like the park city. So like Highland park, you Dallas people, you know where I'm talking about, like the SMU area. And it goes up to Richardson, like UNT or uh, sorry, not UNT, UTD, UT Dallas, um, right. out East to Garland and um, Wiley and Rowlett, you know, this, this area um, 2016, this district went for Clinton 48, 47 and 2018 went for Beto 55, 44. 11 crazy. points for better o'rourke crazy stuff so you know t- this district may even go further for um for democrats and you know strongly anti-trump and this district has you know historically been a wealthy conservative district and it's it's really backfired you know it's that it's that educated base um like i was saying that's <laughs> yeah absolutely out and making a difference with this district and so um you know, I, I think it's inspiring. Also, the Democrat here. Um, his name is Colin Alvarez. He uh, he grew up with a single mom, and she was a public school teacher. But he was a star football player. You know, I was a football player in high school. Yeah, he played for the. Um,
2: uh, or, or go ahead, go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could you could probably say it.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> well, he did. He did play for the Tennessee Titans in the NFL. So that's pretty crazy.
1: He did. He was a linebacker for Tennessee. You know, like we both we both have something in common. We played in high school. But uh, unfortunately, you know, I couldn't go on, but he went on. Not yet, bro.
2: Not yet. <laughs> yeah, don't limit yourself. On, <laughs> maybe,
1: maybe, maybe. Um, you know, he earned All-State as a high school player. Then he played for Baylor down in Waco, and then the Tennessee Titans in the NFL. Um, like you said, Pernoff. Um He went to law school at UC Berkeley. Um, he became a civil rights attorney and worked for the um, U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development um, under Julian Castro, another Texan um, who we all love and adore. <laughs> um and you know working for hud's a job maybe i'd also like to have later in life <laughs> for sure i yeah, um, can see you there too <laughs> that's a lot of congressionals hopefully we can speed through and now we'll go to senate races um because that's another important race down the ballot um, for sure uh, why don't you
2: go ahead and brush on some of the uh some of the like you know battleground close uh senate elections like you were talking about but um what we what we really want to get into obviously is the uh texas senate election
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's competitive races around the country, Arizona, Alaska, which is crazy stuff. Alaska, it's like ruby red over there, Colorado, Georgia. There's two races there. One's a special election because there's so many candidates on the ballot. There's so many candidates that I don't even know how many there are. It's crazy stuff. Um, Iowa, Maine, Montana, another, you know, recently Republican, really Republican state, Um, North and South. Yes. South Carolina. And of course, Texas, the lone star state, our state. So our Mm. candidate here in Texas is MJ Hagar. And she's a UT grad and a former Air Force fighter pilot who served in Afghanistan. And she was awarded the Purple Heart and the Distinguished Flying Cross with Valor for her service. Um, You know, she was shot down by the Taliban and that's how she earned the Purple Heart. She is a true hero to this country. And you know, she's not a loser. And a dope or whatever, whatever clown in charge wants to say, clown in chief, you know, whatever he wants to say, you know, I adore M.J. Hagar. Um, Polls, as of late, have indicated this is a one point race. And because it's statewide, the result of this might parallel the presidential race, actually, in Texas. Um, So we may get a Democratic senator. Um, Although one thing that may be holding M.J. Hagar back is that um, John Cornyn, our current senator, does have higher approval than President Trump. Um, So he may win re-election while Biden may win um, in the presidential race. Not only
2: that, but um, Cornyn also has a lot of experience, right? Like I read he's been an elected official for almost 40 years. So that's another point.
1: Yeah, he's been our senator since 2003. Um, You know, the guy's been been in the spot. I think Phil Graham was before um, John Cornyn and Phil Graham was forever ago. Um, And, you know, John Cornyn has been in the seat for so long. Um, I think voters in Texas probably will end up keeping him, but you know, I still have hope for MJ Hagar. I really hope we can get her in.
2: She's she's Um, too
1: cool not to bro. She's too cool not to definitely. Um, Um, you know, she gets, she gets on that motorcycle and she's revving it away.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, to be honest, I, uh, I became a fan after the Senate debate. I'm not going to lie to you, bro. Um, it kind of seems like she's, uh, she's for the people, you know, she's a, like a, like a war vet used to be a bartender. And her policies include supporting universal stimulus checks, being pro-choice and pro-vax, um, decriminalizing marijuana and regulating it the same way they would reg- uh, regulate tobacco. Um, one thing I was going to ask you about is uh, campaign zero and uh, Cornyn has been kind of using it as an attack to say that she's been endorsing campaign zero while she herself has stated that she has uh, supported policies similar to that of campaign zero and, um, previously but is not uh directly affiliated or directly uh endorsing them i don't know if you have uh if you've read about that or if you have any thoughts on that
1: actually i have not um so this is this is something i'm pretty you know not aware of um uh with campaign zero is this the traffic fatalities or this is related to law enforcement
2: i believe it's related more to law enforcement
1: Okay, yeah, I'm not too familiar um, with this issue. Okay, no worries, we'll, we'll move on. Um, but yeah, okay. Um, and so now I guess we'll get into the, um, the presidential race. Um, this is the race you guys have been sitting through this yes, long sir, podcast. Yes, and I apologize for how long it is. You know, it's, it's our vote, it counts. Um, but now we've finally made it. This is the presidential race. Um, and so this is the one at the top of the ballot. This is the one you're gonna vote on first. This is the one at the very mm-hmm. top. And it's for all the marbles. And, you know, we've got the orange clown in the White House. Um, He's up for reelection. And his polling numbers aren't looking too hot right now. Um, You know, this is a president who never hit 50 percent approval at any point in his presidency, at any point since he got inaugurated, has never hit 50 percent approval. He's always been hovering around 45 percent throughout most of his presidency. He's been closer to 60 percent unapproval than 50 percent approval. It's Um, crazy. It, it's crazy stuff and, um, you know, just totally shows like what, what kind of a clown he really is, you know, what kind of a clown we elected. And um, I could go on for hours about how this president's rhetoric has been offensive, insulting and just incorrect, you know, like I started to do earlier in the podcast. But yeah, um, I, I, we don't have all night. I'll just keep it to election um, talk. You know, if you want to, um, you know, engage with me in some in some uh, discourse about Trump. Um, my at is uh, Andre Rezai on Twitter. Oh, absolutely, um, so yeah. And, we're, we're dropping all DM. that stuff
2: when we when we promote <laughs> the episode. For sure. Please, if you want to talk about anything like that, you know where to find him.
1: <laughs> absolutely, yeah. So let's get to the polls. So we've got to identify what states are going to be battlegrounds this election. And so it's going to be made up of a, uh, states that are going to be really close this time around and states that have been perennially close, like always close, you know? Right. So we've got this time, I would say, Arizona. Florida, Georgia, Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, Nevada, New Hampshire, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Texas, and Wisconsin—states that might be close, like following their Senate races, could be Montana and uh, South Carolina—but there's not too much confidence in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll so we'll get to um, you know just a sort of rundown. I'll give you you know and and Trump pretty much what I would say would propelled him to his victory in 2016. Was a set of four states which were crucial to his victory, and he ran on a promise of bringing back manufacturing jobs to these states, jobs back to America. And these states are known as the Rust Belt. I'll refer to them as the Rust Belt to make it simple later. And he failed. Um, you know, Trump is down in all the polls in these states now. It backfired, um, and you know, Trump is down in the polls in every one of the battleground states except for Texas, except for our state. But even here in Texas, he's down by a point and a half. This is a state that double digits will comfortably vote for a Republican comfortably like a Republican doesn't even have to worry about a campaigning in Texas because they have votes locked down. But now Trump is winning by just a point and a half in, you know, in in combining all these polls, some polls even have Biden up by three points. Um, You know, so it's a state where elections aren't even close and Trump just might find a way to just blow it here. And, and frankly, I think it's possible. I think Biden may win by about a percent or so. Um, So, uh, you know, let's assume Trump does. And, um, you know, I'll present three scenarios. Um, a Republican best case, I'll go over briefly. Um, and then the most realistic scenario, in my opinion. And I'll finish off on a high note with a Democratic best case. Um, and so in the Republican best case, we'll give Trump, Arizona, Florida, Texas, Iowa, Georgia, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Nebraska's second congressional district, which Nebraska and Maine are two states that can vote by congressional district that can cast their electoral vote by the people in the congressional district that vote for a candidate. Really cool stuff. Um, more states should try to do it. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, using this um, scenario, Trump wins 279, 259. Um, that would be another heartbreaker. And I would, you know, my mom cried in 2016. I would probably shed some tears. Um, that would hurt a lot. Um, you know, after seeing four years of this um, clown um, uh, excuse my french shit show um it's uh <laughs> you know it's it, it's gonna hurt but so then i'll go to the realistic case and so biden wins 353 185 in my calculation of this case so florida the rust belt north carolina nebraska two, new hampshire nevada and arizona go for biden well trump takes texas georgia iowa and then a big fat l but y'all want to hear trump take a fatter l so i'll get to the best case scenario and here's how i'll finish off so let's say biden gets iowa texas georgia and let's go even further let's mirror the senate races and give biden south carolina and montana biden wins 425 113 Adios, that's
2: crazy chido.
1: you know Adios, assuming chido. he does
2: leave the white house when he's asked to
1: right i know you know you could we could see all sorts of things on people we could see you know <laughs> He just totally babies it out, you know, some sort of coup d'etat or something. You've seen other countries, you know, that'd be crazy stuff. But that being said, I really want to urge everyone listening to this, go out and vote, make a plan, vote on the first week of early voting in Texas. Um, Even if it's not the first day, if you want to stay safe and avoid the crowds, understandable, I'm probably going to do the same. Vote the first week of early voting. I'll probably go like Thursday on the, I believe it will be the 15th or so. Um, Make a plan, go vote, go cast your ballot. Um, don't wait till the last day. Um, this election is important. It might just be the election of our lifetimes. Agreed. And, um, you know, it's, it's very important for each and every one of you to, to voice your opinion and voice your opinion at the polls. Um, you know, that's that that this election can make or break a good couple of decades. Um, and, you know, we may not be able to reverse um, the effects of a Trump re-election for many, many years to come. Could take 30, 40 years. Um, and Man, I'm, if, that's, I'm why, that's why your vote is important.
0: I'm surprised you even said his name, bro. I thought we were just gonna go the hell episode
1: without hearing his name. But <laughs> Donald but, John Trump, the guy that pays <laughs> seven hundred and fifty dollars in taxes. I pay more in taxes than that guy. <laughs> oh my
0: god! Well, folks, you heard it from Andre. Um, definitely, you heard the the mandated order from Andre the Great. Um, go vote. Please make a plan to vote. Do it as early as possible. Do it as safe as possible um and obviously you heard this episode is one that is um is not going to be easy for you all to digest there's a lot of information there's a lot of things that we went through there's a lot of things that Andre enlightened us with which we didn't even know about and things that Andre's obviously done his research he's got his shit together and he's one that's been really really into not just like the primary presidential election but also trickling down into every senate um every senate candidate every district and everything so he's broken it down for you all in terms of exactly who to vote for, where you are at, all of that um, combined. Andre, I have a question for you, though. Um, how, how much of an impact has this crisis uh, or this convergence of crisis, actually, with corona being one of them, the economic downfall as another one, and all these social injustices and uh, abnormalities being brought to light, how are these three crises converging and how are they affecting the policies that we see not only at the presidential level, but at the district and senate level.
1: Um, you know, a lot of these crises, a lot of these crises, can be impacted by even more down ballot races. Which, um, frankly, you know, I live in Texas House District 50 and Texas Senate District 14, I believe it is, um, and they're safe Democratic seats. Um, You know, they're not going to go red and they're not for contention, but there are many Democratic seats for the Texas House that are under contention this cycle. And then even local elections, you know, down to mayor and city council, um, you know, here in Austin, Mayor Adler has been, frankly, underwhelming. Um, You know, he's, he's, you know, undercut on a lot of um, uh, promises. And, um, you know, he just recently only recently caved in um, to slash funding from the APD. Um, and look to give more funding to um, other resources like mental health and affordable housing and um, public health and and all sorts of other things. Local down ballot races actually affect those. So beyond just what I talked about today, the presidential and who sits in the United States Congress, going all the way down the ballot to is the very last thing on your ballot, everything matters. Um, and so, um, as as for in the country. When Republicans in Congress and the, the president in charge himself um, just brush off um, the, the, the killing of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd, and the murder of Breonna Taylor, and justice isn't served in, in Kentucky, um, in the courts over there in Kentucky, um, that's what, it, 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 it comes down to everything, and it comes down to, to local down-ballot stuff. Like in Kentucky with Brianna Taylor, that's exactly um, what happens? It comes down to attorney general, to um, justices. It comes down to the justice system, um, and it's it's really more than just the politicians' rhetoric. But that certainly doesn't help. You know, Donald Trump just um, brushing it off and um, barely touching on the issue um, that it's it's a critical issue with regard to racial injustices, with regard to COVID and the economy. Um, Trump failed. That's 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 just all I'm gonna say. Trump failed. You know, by by. <laughs> not really wearing a mask, um, you know, until he gets infected. And then maybe one or two times when he went into the, um, to the um, armed forces hospitals. Not only um, that, but just
2: making fun of Biden for always wearing a mask during the debate and then contracting exactly. COVID the night after, like, come on.
1: Exactly. It's, 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 it's a, it's very, it's, um it's a lot of karma. And um, he just hasn't set a good example for America. And that's how, this disease has um, spread, and so now you have these spikes in cases. And you know, people cannot enjoy school or cannot go to class. People um, are getting laid off from jobs. You know, there's a possibility that we don't have a V-shaped recovery economically, like where we go down and then we're coming back up. But we may have like a second wave recession where we may think we're back to normal, and then another spike in COVID happens or something of the matter, and we just go back down the drain. Um, and what's different about this versus the great depression is the great depression was all on the markets. This one, we have another variable and that's COVID that's, that's a virus. And we have zero control over a virus as humans um, until we can get a solid vaccine, which is approved by those who this is what they study and this is what they're qualified in and not mm-hmm. um, a real estate tycoon, re, um, you know, reality TV star that's fuck porn stars. Um, you know, that's I'm just being honest. You know, it's, we're, we're going to get it from the people that are actually qualified in this job. Um, and, you know, that's how we can stop the virus. But, you know, until we can do that, just got to wear a mask. And the more cases spike, that's how we're going to have, um, you know, the economy tanking and people losing their jobs and just loss of job openings, loss of internships for students, lots of job opportunities for recent grads. It's gonna become a very competitive place and um, the economy is just gonna tank. You know, Obama was driving it up after um, the great recession with the end of the Bush presidency and Trump just shot it all the way back down. And it's gonna take a while to recover from this. And, you know, frankly, I think, I, I believe Joe Biden's gonna get the job done.
0: Well said, well said. I think- I agree. Um, Obviously, as people have seen their own downfalls within these convergence of crises, we can definitely see an upward trend in the future election. And as you said, as we said in the last episode, vote, vote, vote. As Kamala (laughs) said, as Joe said, vote, vote, vote. Clearly the most important thing that y'all will do in, you know, in in this decade at least. Um, And it's going to definitely impact not only this next four years, but the future of the American political system, I guess. For sure. Yeah, thank thank you so much, Andre. This has been absolutely eye opening, absolutely enlightening.
2: We we definitely need this uh, insight into what the hell we need to do for sure. Yeah, absolutely. definitely. Thank you so much for coming out here and doing this episode, bro. Perfect topic, perfect timing, and I think you provided a lot of a lot of really valuable information, especially for the time that is about to be delivered in right now for anybody. Uh, for college students wondering where they should vote, for people who uh, may not be following the local uh, races as closely, wondering who they should be voting for, is all super, super, super great information at a super crucial time. You're putting you're putting mad good into the world, bro. Your uh, <laughs> your political campaign, whether officially or unofficially, bro. I can see the seeds growing right here, bro. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you. Thank you to all the listeners who, um, who put up through like all this hour and, uh, I hour and change, um, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's a really crucial talk. And, um, if you made it all the way to the end, congratulations, you get a gold star. Uh, <laughs> that says, that says hip, hip hooray. You did it.
2: You can, you can collect your gold star at, at Andre Rezae on Instagram <laughs> or Twitter.
1: Make sure to DM him for it. And You get two gold stars if you vote. <laughs> two gold stars. Actually you get 10. I up it, I'm going to up it to 10. Oh, shit. <laughs> you better
2: get those Amazon orders coming in, bro. <laughs> so that being said, we better wrap this episode up. Um, thanks to everyone who made it this far. If you have any guests you want to see, any guests you want to be in the future, please let us know about all that. Any suggestions for future topics we should cover, let us know about that too. And uh, as always, have a, great, uh, have a great voting season. We'll catch you next week.